Got a little intro music. Have you ever listened to an episode? You can be honest. I've listened to part of Cooper's. I've listened to... Um... Filmmaker Thomas Thomas, yeah. You knew that you were just trying to see if I remembered his name. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you typically get pretty forgetful in the That's podcast. True. Yep, yep. It's a big thing. Kind of walking around, doing other, doing laundry, and yes, yeah, sweeping, raking <laughs> leaves. <laughs> okay. Hello, miners, and welcome to the 11th episode of Mining in the Foothills, where I am on the search for dialectic gold with doers from around the Midwest. I am Wes from Oliopus, and my guest today is Sam Cuban, lead singer, guitar player, bass player, drummer, and the founding <laughs> member of one of, of one of Southern Indiana's strangest folk projects, Swamp Eyes. After signing to Wally Opus in August of 2022, Sam and I began working on his first full-length Swamp Eyes album titled Something's in the Hall, which is a direct emotional response to navigating the intense fear surrounding an unforeseen diagnosis and its complications from from a parental perspective, which we'll dive more into what that means in a second. When not being all things Swamp Eyes, Sam is the drummer and lead singer in the up-and-coming band, The Chugs, also recording a record here tomorrow, (laughs) funny enough, this weekend. He's also the founder of Dead Ends Entertainment, a company specializing in novelty games, books, and apparel. In 2018, Sam made his big-screen debut as Big Aviators in the hit thriller Bullet County. Sam Sam also serves as an editor for Melodic Virtue, a publishing company that specializes in limited series coffee table books about influential punk rock bands. And he's also a founder of Darioki, a phone app for daring people to sing. (laughs) Along with everything mentioned so far, Sam also somehow keeps a day job, has a (laughs) wife, two kids, and two dogs, and they all live happily in Evansville, Indiana. Did I forget anything? No. Uh, I forgot about half of that, though, that I did. So yeah. yeah. Hey, thanks for that intro. Yeah. That made me feel really good about myself for a few seconds. That's awesome. That's the whole point. Good. Did you know yeah. Did you know that if you Google Bullet County, uh, there's a Wikipedia page and your name's on it? Dude. <laughs> That's how I figured out the name of the character. That's awesome. I did not know that. Well, yep. they uh, they were asking me what, they, what I wanted my credit to be, and they asked if... Big Aviators was okay, and I was like, yeah, that's... Because you don't the, actually have a name? <laughs> not a birth name, no. Yeah. The Big Aviators is, you know, that's kind of what I go by now. But, <laughs> I know. look too... Um, I mean, this is more money than I've ever made at the box office, but I looked, <laughs> I looked, and um, it said that there was a limited release with AMC Theaters, I think, mm-hmm. Yep. and the yep. box office was 11627 bucks or like something... Something like that. More so money than I've ho- seen hopefully before. Hopefully you got your, your check. I got all 11000 All 11000 11, Yeah. Awesome. They handed it over. They knew who kind of ran the show on the show. Mm-hmm. That was me. Yep. That's awesome. Which it was on Netflix, but I don't know if it's on there anymore. It was on Netflix. Um, then I know it was on Apple and Amazon. And it's been tossed around. still buy it on Amazon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sweet. Yeah, you must buy it on Amazon. Awesome. All right. So... Um, yeah, this could go a million different ways, but I feel like the most, the most, um, like the most 
thing that's happening right now for both of us is we literally just finished your record seven minutes ago. Seven minutes ago. Yep. Listen Which of to course the, uh, is the alternate title yeah. of the record <laughs> yeah. seven minutes ago. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, not bad. I feel like that would star like, maybe not Will Smith. Maybe Will Smith if he mm, didn't smack a bunch of people. Right, but, uh, yeah. I would say seven minutes ago is some almost like a Bruce Willis movie. I could, yeah, yep. yeah, that's true. So the whole movie actually takes place in seven minutes. Is that yes. kind of the whole thing? Yes. Where then, yeah, that's a good every time he shows up somewhere. It was like seven minutes late or something, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So that's so another movie. That, me and Wes are writing. Yeah, yeah, we have not finished writing that movie. Right. We did still finish, working on the script. Mm-hmm. We did finish something's in the hall seven and a half minutes ago. Yes. Which is also the sequel to the seven minutes ago movie. <laughs> it's just a loop. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so like you came to me probably a year ago and said, let's make a, or I would like to use your studio sometime mm-hmm. and make a record. But I had really no idea what that was going to be like until we got into doing it in August. Mm-hmm. But it went from an EP. Well, it was originally an EP, but that quickly turned into a, an album, which click, which like quickly turned into really diving deep into this body of music that you wrote. In in my opinion, we really listening back to it last night. We really, we really branched into some unknown territory for me. <laughs> it's well, the same here. Maybe for you too. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, There's a lot going on. There is. And um, I think initially, whenever I was writing this, it was, um, this is an EP mm-hmm. that I have to write because I need to get some shit off my chest. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then uh, I came in here thinking we were recording a folk album. And I think really until maybe a couple weeks ago, it still f- felt like a folk album, but it yeah. really objectively is not. Yeah, I, I, I and we still, I mean, we are searching for the correct term that really yeah. embodies it. I mean, we're calling it, I guess, strange folk or chaos, like uh, chaos or folk, chaos folk, chaotic folk. That sounds good. Angry sounds country. Good yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. but there's there's rock influences. There's like punk influences. There's little fing- finger um, picking guitar mm-hmm. which is like some of it leans country yeah it does some of it leans blues mm-hmm. <laughs> funny enough like uh, <laughs> some of it does lean folk but like when I think of folk musicians like I was telling you this the other day some of the ones that I've listened to lately like actual folk musicians they there's always this thing that's connected to the past of Mm -hmm. historic preservation of songs and that is not at all what we're doing right like if anything song number three your first single is the only one that harkens back to like a a time uh like a historic but it's not even a historic song you know it's like Dig a Hole is the name of the song, but it, mm-hmm. it does have, it's got a work song aesthetic, you know, it's got the vocals very, they sound like, like a field song, you know, like yeah. a working song, mm-hmm. um, like a, like a, yeah, I guess that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Like I, a works, a labor song? I think so, yeah. yeah. I don't know what the official title for that is, but. Me either. Yeah. 
But uh, that's the only one that kind of has that folk thing. I think I feel like whenever I write music, it typically if I'm starting lyrically, it always like lends itself to uh, kind of a folk rhythm in the or like maybe like children's book it's definitely like yeah the rhyme schemes like you know a b a b a b mm-hmm. stands that that type of stuff it's not crazy um the, the i guess the poetic structure is not complex yeah which i feel like lends itself to it's, i mean the lyrics are are they definitely take a long time writing them but i don't mm-hmm. take a long time on uh the structure necessarily but every word is super important and maybe that's why i feel like it leans folk and Mm. i don't know maybe that's what's cool dude is like i've noticed this really early on the rhyme schemes you use some of the words that you rhyme with i'm like man i would never use that in a modern country song Mm. or a modern pop song like i wouldn't use um the word um oh shit it's in one of your it was like, I, I remember hearing it being like, oh, that's a cool word, but I would never use that. <laughs> but when you write it from your perspective, kind of folk or like what, yeah. you, what you said, like children's book or like lullaby almost kind of yeah. thing, you can use words that are, I feel like you can use these words that make complete and total sense and they're appropriate in this song, but like they aren't necessarily a popular word that people still use today. Oh, toil. Use the oh, word yeah, toil. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like. I would never use the word toil. Right, right. But it makes total sense in your song. Well, you know. Yeah, I think for the context of the song. For me, I feel like whenever I picture myself either listening to this ten years from now, twenty years from now, or performing it, I want to look back and know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. So I feel like I choose. I, I guess timeless almost yeah I, well, I try to go i try to lean that route instead of using words like iphone or something like that right to where i people might not know what the hell that is in 30 years i don't know and not saying that any one will give a shit in three decades but I, but i, I want do to. like <laughs> I want them to. no i do like when uh, songs don't get too specific like i think getting specific is fine if it involves like a distance or a time or a place that's all fine for me but i do agree like or or even like like cell phone is fine to say cell phone you know but mm-hmm. i do agree like getting specific it might be cool for now but it does seem like it has a like a time uh, stamp on it or whatever right. it's a expiration date on it right. where it's not people aren't going to know what that is and 25 years or it's it's just not relevant anymore Mm. you know because i'm thinking of like like think about love songs that still get played like frank sinatra or stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's like universal right most of it universal Mm. concepts that like still it's still very applicable to today's life right and i think i think that's the best phrase to use for it the universal concept because i I think that's also what's portrayed in a lot of my favorite children's books Mm mm-hmm like Shel Silverstein, mm-hmm. you could read for another two hundred years, mm-hmm. and I, I firmly believe that. And I feel like it's because it's about feelings and learning feelings and expressing them this way, not like observational necessarily. And it, but what's cool too is like, and I feel this in your music, similar to good children's books, is like it's it's describing 
or it's or it's inviting you to learn a lesson or to or to talk about a, a specific situation but like you're not talking it's not an instructional <laughs> or it's not like talking down to the listener like this is what you need to do but it's but so for example your record is about which i we only really have come to or i have only come to grips with this the last like month we've been working on it for three months but it's about when we said in the in the intro it's a direct emotional a direct emotional response to navigating the intense fear surrounding an unforeseen diagnosis and its complications from a parental perspective that's like a pretty uh full definition but (laughs) at the basis of it what is what well, so uh, my daughter Quinn was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when she was 17 months old. And that diagnosis affects everyone in your sphere. It's mm-hmm. not just the person who has it. It's not just like a – I don't know. It's it's not a, a solitary disease. It affects every – you know, it's it's dynamic and it flows into every minute of your day. And for people who don't know the difference, which I didn't at the time, yeah. I do now, the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes is what? Well, so type 2 is uh, typically, uh, I say typically, it, it usually is a result of, of uh, lifestyle and you can change it in in most cases to uh, bring your pancreas into working order and not need to take insulin. Whereas uh, type 1, your pancreas is dead. And so you do need insulin shots for the rest of your life. There isn't like a lifestyle change. It it's usually triggered by a virus, or um, like, or pregnancy, or anything that your body's not used to. It can trigger mm. this, these uh, T cells to attack it and to. Kill it's an it. autoimmune disease. Yes, but like, is somebody who somebody who has type do, type two most mm. likely won't die, right? Or their or their 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 risk of death isn't the same as. Right, so Somebody because with type one, right? yes, because I still have a working pancreas. It's just, um, well, you know, you, you still don't want to like give yourself too much insulin and drop yourself too low, where you could, you know, pass out and mm. have a seizure and mm-hmm. like while you're driving or something like that. It's always a possibility, but um, <clears throat> there, there's always a chance that w- when you're type two, you, like. It's it's not nearly as severe because you still have a functioning pancreas that can still um, deliver little bits of insulin and can still prevent a lot of lows. Mm-hmm. Whereas with type one, a lot of the times, like the whole that's what like the dead in bed syndrome is, is where people find their kids in the cribs whenever they like they get sick, then they find dead their kids in bed. Jesus, yeah. So they find their kids in in. Um, it's either a result of a low that they when they didn't know they had type one because they passed out and then they just couldn't get their blood sugar up, or it was a DKA and and their uh, blood turned toxic because that's what that's what that is. is if your, your blood goes too low, <laughs> it turns toxic, or too high. If it goes too high, so so it's example, sugar, sugar, too much sugar in your blood, toxic. Yeah, it, it, can, it can kill you. Mm-hmm, it can. Well, yeah. If you don't it, have the insulin to fight it, or if you don't have the natural. Right. You want to prevent the acidosis, which is what happens whenever you eat too many carbs, which mm-hmm. can be anything from you know bread to candy to fruit, whatever. And the main Vegetable. issue, like the main issue with being seventeen months old, which is a, like a year and a half old, which is really what 
like our our youngest like my <laughs> son and your youngest daughter yeah, like they're, they're right just now. now they're just now like eating and walking but then they still can't communicate how they're feeling or right. anything so the complex the complicated thing from a parent's point of point of view is like it's literally your job to keep the kid alive right all right. the time mm-hmm. so that's why you said it's like it's not a solitary illness it's a Right. It affects everybody around, you know. Exactly. So like right now I I mean I have my phone right here looking at what her level is when when she's at daycare cuz mm-hmm. she has a Dexcom on her which thankfully they have that technology. So thank now. God. Yeah. You live yeah, we live in 2022 where she has monitors. Yeah. So and she now has a pump. She right? does a, yes, yeah. which has really really helped with um like nighttime highs cuz a lot of times at night uh type 1s will let's just like shoot up their their blood sugar will and that could be because of something they ate earlier like a maybe they ate pizza for dinner and the blood sugar spike will happen like two three to four hours later or they have a crazy dream and that spikes their blood sugar so um at least now with the omnipod five it is a uh, it really works well through the night to keep her kind mm-hmm. of level mm-hmm. and as because it like administers little bits of insulin throughout the night <clears throat> so it prevents two things one us having to go in and stabbing her with needles and waking her up and her not getting any sleep, you know, and then it also lets and us you're get not getting any sleep. Right. So basically because of the pump, we're sleeping more, which means we're less anxious, which means your marriage is better. Marriage is better. We're like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. everything's better. Everything's better. Yeah. Yeah. So now we can get probably, you know, a solid two to three hours in a row, which it definitely was not that way. Pre pump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So awesome. like, so, uh, when you found this, so when you found this out, Mm-hmm. Um, did did you become like how like how, when did you start writing this record? Because the record itself, the something's in a hall, something's in the hall. This body of songs, to me, it's a big metaphor yeah, for like absolutely for me. It's like the metaphor of something so beautiful in a child like as a child a child is so pure and innocent and and really perfect when they're born but then this this really dark destructive disease is inside of it now like it, it's it's eating it from the inside in this beautiful right. thing it's like a it's like when a really nice house has mold that's like right. just, or termites <laughs> or something you know it's like right. the metaphor is Something's mm-hmm. in the hall, or um, there's a big obstacle. Yeah, yes, there's a big yeah, life prevention something mm-hmm. going on. There. Yeah, because like, so, like, when did the writing start? That's what the original. Like, how did well, how did all of this come into? Lyric- I never even asked you about how you wrote the songs, or like when, when or where, or how like well, how this shit works. It's like kind of like what you were saying about um, earlier, how it's not necessarily meant to be like instructional fables mm. or anything like that but it it is i feel like these lyrics are how i have processed everything so i like this is not necessarily telling anyone how they should process stuff but this is me right. telling you myself, don't mention the word diabetes <laughs> once <laughs> on the record for the for the record like it's not about uh, yeah but it's definitely about like um process like, mm-hmm. how i can how i can fucking deal with this shit you know because yeah. uh um yeah, I mean, there'll be the thing with type one is that it's not like a. There's never. 
I th- I feel like the biggest question that we get as parents are is like, are our levels doing okay? Are they are they getting better? Or are they or like you figuring it out? And that's just like not how that this monster works. It's just it is ever evolving, different problems every single day. Especially yeah. as she gets she has new problems as she grows. You know, well, raising hormones. a kid is its own challenge, right? Yeah, with eating, diet, sleeping, <laughs> all of that is something that a parent with a perfectly healthy child right. deals with. I know, you like, right. I do it, you know. Right. So, right. yeah, so that's already so it's a challenge. It's like a challenge on top of a challenge of raising yeah. a kid, right? And so, I guess for me, the something's in the hall. Like you said, it's definitely like um, there. It's this kind of invisible monster that you can't control but is definitely there mm-hmm. like it's just sort of there's something like you need to get food in the kitchen okay well there there's something preventing us from doing that or mm-hmm. you know like there's actually the like the metaphor like kind of came from whenever uh, we were at my parents house and uh my mom took a photo of quinn which is actually the album cover yeah that, uh of her in a ghost costume whenever she also was pretty sure that hallway was like really haunted, like in a real way. And um, there's who your mom or Quinn? Uh, my mom, Quinn, and my nephew Leo are all like okay. very adamant that there's a ghost there. Okay. And so it was like a real big. Um, I don't even exactly know how to say this, but uh, it inspired me because as my daughter with the type one. Uh, it kind of felt like it was just like facing her fears type of thing because she's wearing a ghost costume and doesn't give a fuck that there's a ghost in there and she'll go through it. <laughs> but that it's like, yeah, there's a problem here, but I'm going to live my life. Yes. Somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it just really worked out perfectly. I feel like the naming of the song and the actual, I mean, it has a literal meaning too of, you know, being like, there's a ghost in the hallway and it's scary to go through to what you need to Yes. <laughs> yes. But it, it's also Quinn facing those um, struggles and facing that ghost, which is, you know, I guess would be her type one in this situation. Because, like, while you can define type one and you can understand its mechanisms, it really is sort of like an invisible force. It like, is, it yeah. popped out of nowhere, uh, just like a ghost. I mean, just like right. a ghost is. It's just something that's sensed, you know, or <laughs> yeah. like for your for your for this hallway. Mm-hmm. It's like a thing that's just people sense it. Right. You can't right. really point at it, you know. That's I mean, before sensors with di- with type one, I'm sure kids died, and it was like, what yeah. well, what happened? Everybody's like, I don't, you know, I must, yeah, I don't know. Well, that's a, so there. That's what's kind of happening right now in um, uh, lesser developed countries. Mm-hmm. Is that like, for example, I'm. Like in Africa, there's like a 600% increase in uh, type 1 diagnoses in the last five years. When in reality, it's like, well, I think a lot of these kids were just actually dying from diabetes. And now people are just getting there, mm. actually diagnosing it. It's just that there's never been diagnoses yeah. before. Right. Because yeah. like 100 years ago, it was a death sentence. 75 years ago, yeah. it was really fucking tough. Yep. And I mean, it still is really tough. But it, like you said, we have sensors and... Um, you have to, stuff to rely on now to t- to inform you about how she's doing. And, yeah, to where like yeah. right now we we can um, talk to my mom or Kate's mom, t- whoever's with her. And, yeah, like yeah. versus like her being by my side twenty four seven. You know. Yeah, but like so, so how does? But then when does it? What does it look like when you write? Do you sit down and write a whole song, or you're like driving in the car and you come up with a word or a phrase, or like? 
when do you pick up the guitar? Do you write everything to guitar? I think guitar is definitely a writing tool, and mm-hmm. that's just I think the instrument I'm most familiar with. I think I think the instrument that I love the best is drums, mm-hmm. but as far as writing, I can. It's kind of hard to write a song on drums. It uh, yeah, when especially these songs have it in like half of them have drums in half of them, you know. And that's true. Half of them don't even have drums. Whereas, yeah. yeah, whereas like with guitar, I, I can know which play which sections have drums which mm-hmm. sections i'm playing i'm learning on the uh guitar but i actually will have piano or that type of stuff you know what mm-hmm. i mean but so yeah whenever i start it's it goes back and forth it's not i feel like it, it flows to where like i'll get in the flow state of writing uh lyrics then i'll have three songs worth of lyrics mm-hmm. and then on your phone uh it depends uh sometimes on my phone sometimes on a piece of paper sometimes Scrap paper. Like, yeah it's just yeah. Sort of, or, but also there i i do have i had ocd really bad growing up like like um you know diagnosed ocd and i still have that to where like if i do like a lyric i'm never gonna forget it which is kind of strange so i do I, I don't really have the thing where i like need to write it down right now because i will like, always remember it if it's good enough and that's kind of my thing to where it's like if i don't remember it then it wasn't good enough mm. to be on the album <laughs> damn but, dude there's somebody else so i'm reading a book on songwriters i've been reading it because it's a, a five thousand page book or you know it's not that much but it's huge it's songwriters on songwriting but there's somebody else who said that i, I, I want to think i want to say it was like um oh shit what's his name like a folk songwriter uh but he was saying that too he's like an idea comes to me and I just see if it comes back mm-hmm. and then if it keeps coming back then I know it's worth writing down right. whereas other people are like a word comes to them that's catchy and they write like I write down everything like my mm-hmm. notes are full of just phrases sometimes entire songs come so it's just like mm-hmm. for me it's the practice of like I just always have to be engaged or else it doesn't really work but some people like what you, because if I don't write it down, dude, I wake up and it's gone. Okay. I mean, it's yeah. like taking flight. And it's, <laughs> right. I have no right. idea where it was. You right. Know? I f- but I also, well, I also for, feel like, kind of like I was saying earlier about how this is, the lyrics are all me telling me how to process shit. And sometimes I don't actually know how to do it until I like listen to the own, my own song I made that I didn't even know was supposed to be therapeutic. Like I feel yeah. like we've had those conversations here where it's like, oh shit, that's what the song's about. Duh, yeah. And then, right. I don't know. It it kind of those things, or the the phrases and words I need to get out uh, that I feel like are important are ones that I need to get out. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But like, so it's but, like a, but isn't it crazy it's how? Kind of. Yeah, it is. The words are the the. It's gotta, fucking get it yeah part whatever (laughs) that is the pus um but like isn't it crazy though that so this start this stuff starts coming to you you're writing some on your phone some on notes or whatever but like over the course of how long how long did it take to get because you when you got here you had a demos made Mm -hmm. on your cell phone Mm -hmm. so you had stuff laid out and really we just kind of remake well for several of them we just put the demos in Ableton and then just like retract everything. But we produced it along the way where it was like, let's take this out. Let's add this. Mm-hmm. We did, we had a lot of that going on, but the demos were our, our, our were our, um, like our rough draft to follow. And they helped out a ton when yeah. it came to 
language between us. <laughs> right. Like, take us to this section. I really enjoyed that. That good. was huge. Okay, but, good. But, like, um, how long did it take you from the time when you started getting the ideas to, like, then drafting the demos before you got here, you know? Yeah. Is that, like, months? Uh, Definitely. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, because... I, f- I find myself feeling the need to, like, if I find a melody uh, or just any type of musical phrasing or noise or something, I got to, like, ring it out for everything. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I start these songs that end up being six minutes long. Mm-hmm. And I always end up scrapping probably half of it because mm-hmm. most of it is, like, I feel like, for me, I have to put in too much to know what to take away. Mm-hmm to know what's the right length of a song. Like we did that with Messmaker here. Yeah. The re- the redo of that. But like um I would say I scrapped probably 25 minutes of this album before even hmm. finishing the demos because half of these songs were longer or like the sections you'll hear were twice as long and it's like that's not satisfying to the listener to hear this twice this length. And I feel like uh, going into it with that um Scrap the fluff mentality also really helps with uh, songwriting too, and lyrics, and that like I'm, I don't need to write another verse because this actually satisfies the like you were saying like moral or whatever the hell I'm trying to right. fucking get across to myself. Right. It's well, like, and it it also I feel like when you do that, uh, I don't know. Did you like I I feel like in the beginning you said too like not today but when we first got together you said something about like. You even took some song piece, like parts, parts and pieced them together yeah. to make one new song for sure. Or like because something that Chloe said, my wife said when we first listened to the record was in the car last week or two weeks ago, was like I like how, uh, I don't know what's I don't know which one I showed her that she said this. I want to say like shallow end maybe, mm-hmm. but but it was it had several different sections. And she's like, I like this. It's not just like a, like a repeating pop song, you know? Right. <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, definitely like, that's not the, that's really not, but, but what we talked about yesterday, which I do, or two days ago, which I do feel is true. There is still a lot of reprise. Like there's a lot of themes that you hear throughout the album that make it an album. So I feel like people who like albums will appreciate the record for the album that it is. You that's, know what I mean? That's good to hear. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, yeah, and that makes a lot of sense <laughs> to me too because, uh, um, yeah, I think all of the reprise stuff, I, I think that's just um, stems from my obsession with scores from, yeah. from movies and specifically like Danny Elfman, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, I Which feel like Danny he's the king of it. For people who don't know, Danny Elfman scored like – Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah. Edward Scissor's Edward Scissor Hands. Mm-hmm. What basically else? like all of the good Tim Burton movies. Yeah, that's he scored right. That he that's scored right. a lot of like the Marvel ones too, but like the ones with the good like reprises and stuff mm-hmm. where you're like, holy shit, he used it this way again and it sounds new. It's like okay, cool. I don't need that melody anymore because you used it the fuck up. And I feel like that's something I definitely took from him or tried to is like okay, I don't need to add anything more. or like, I don't know. I feel like you can use a melody up. It's not just yeah. one. Cause, <clears throat> and then re- you don't have to reinvent the wheel right. every time you sit down to write the next. 
if you're writing an album, right. you know, mm-hmm. it's like you can use pieces of this mm-hmm. and that and tie it together. Right. But like, uh, to, to answer what you're talking about earlier is that, yeah, there were definitely parts where, like I said, I scrapped 20 minutes of probably the full material of this. I also saved some, made them new songs mm-hmm. and, um, or put different pieces in different parts because yeah, like you're saying, I, I, I feel like this for Swamp Eye specifically, it's not necessarily a chorus driven project. Right. It's more of a, dude. what's, I mean, like when you're with your record, when I listened to it last night, last night was the first time like Rick Rubin says to do this. Uh, he didn't tell me to do it, but he told the world to do it, which is me. <laughs> like when I'm you looking. are the world, <laughs> but uh, like when you sit back to listen, listen as though you're a new listener. Like, don't think about the production. Don't think about the mix. Don't think about how it's going to be received or what others are going to think. Just like take it in, you know? Right. And that was me last night for the first time as an album. I've, I've done that with songs, but as an album, that was the first time I had done that. But what I thought was, uh, you know, I'm always, I'm always thinking like pop music that's just my DNA. It's like mm-hmm. how I'm hardwired is like mm-hmm. repeat courses and like throwing like a catchy melody line that says something for the bridge or I don't know. But when I listened to your record last night, I was thinking some of this music, several sections are just instrumental with, um, with, with backing vocals or with, with vocal singing no words right you know hums and ah yeah and it's but when you just experience it and you don't think about it having needing words or like what are we going to do here from a production standpoint you just experience it and then and then when you let certain songs play in to the towards the end and then you scream and you (laughs) and i don't mean and i don't mean you don't you don't scream in some bullshit way like you literally (laughs) It's like you're letting it out. And I thought last night, I'm like, this, if if someone listens to this honestly and opens themselves up to this, they will hear somebody like literally letting out <laughs> themselves and their emotions and what they're going through on the record, you know? For sure. And I think that's what, <clears throat> it helps too that I've worked on several albums prior to you or songs prior to you where there is screaming because mm-hmm. that was shocking when I first recorded, because I don't come from that world. So when I first recorded someone and they got in the booth and they screamed, it honestly scared me. And <laughs> I had no yeah. idea what to do with right. it. I even right. texted you and I'm like, <laughs> can you send me some references right. on how to make this, how to mix this, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't know what to do. But when you came in and did it, you're not screaming your vocals very often, or your like, lyrics very often, but when you add that in to me now, if you took that out of the music, it would be missing the energy that it makes it. Cause that's what your right. music <laughs> right. has. Like yeah. it has these, it has these very like, uh, quaint low parts. Mm. Uh, like I'm thinking of, um, the song it's currently called trash palace, but it's going to be called, scurry or something uh boy i don't even know yeah uh, well second song on the album or? yeah it'll be the second song on the on the album yeah okay that song in the middle of it has a guitar has literally a 
awesome country style <laughs> twang guitar picking section yeah. that like is very intimate but then uh you know a couple songs later there's just these bursts of chaos noise i mean we recorded car horns we recorded mm-hmm. banging on drums we recorded banging on other shit uh turning the, the amp up on the guitar as loud as it'll go and just you know mm-hmm. grinding it mm-hmm. and but all of that encompasses the scope of like the the sonic dynamic of the record. It goes from yeah. there to here and everywhere in between over right. the course of the record. Like it's not this straight line, you know, it's not right. this straight dynamic thing. It's like it, it it not only does like the tempos and the song styles vary throughout the record but like the actual sonic presence of it <laughs> almost from song to song there's always there's always some area where things blow up you know yeah, uh-huh. and then come back to right something calm to a degree but that make, that makes a lot of i don't know yeah it makes a lot of sense when you say it like that cuz uh i i do feel like just everything that i put out there is just for this project specifically is just helping me process stuff and for for like for those, um, I guess all the songs like you're saying do have that, and it, it just kind of feels like that's kind of the, the, um, like the process of the before and after panic attacks and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because I, I, I used to have a ton of those like all the time, and basically until Quinn was on a pump. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, I feel like that's pretty represent a representative of one of those, <laughs> like the, because there's always you know a super crazy adrenaline rush and then there's like an extreme calm and mm-hmm. all that shit and i i do feel like that references that probably that's because, crazy because while i like i said i'd write lyrics to also process shit for for the little uh country uh, finger style part in the middle i definitely uh i'm like yep that's all i needed i don't need to write words to this part. right you know because it's just okay it's just that feeling that has to kind of get out of me yep <laughs> but, yep but Dude, yeah, isn't that crazy? I'm thinking too. Like it's crazy to me that um, do you need another drink? Yeah, probably. Me too. Yeah, we're back. And did you do you know why people do the action? I just assume it's for editing. It is, but I, the sound spike, like the spike, though. Oh, they can like look for it on the wave on the yes. audio wave, wave yep. form. Oh, yep. Interesting. Line those up. Line that one up with the last. But uh that's interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Um what I was gonna say was, isn't it crazy that some art so some art is created for the listener to uh project their own meaning onto it based on what they get. Like my buddy Cooper says that a lot. It's like people will say, What's your art? What does your art mean? And he'll say it sounds like a cop out at first, but it's not. <laughs> like it's true. He'll be like, yeah. "I don't know. Well, what does it mean to you?" Right. It sounds kind of smart assy, but it's not. It's genuinely right. like, right. "Well, I want you to interpret it," because he does sort of abstract art. But for you, this like you worked out your own meaning. Like you, the everything means something to you based off of the situation that you went through in your life. So like. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that these calm parts of the tracks or of the record mixed with these chaotic bursts, they literally mimic uh, panic attacks <laughs> right, right. in real life mixed with 
like falling asleep early at 7.30. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's after. peaceful in the, <laughs> yeah. like the, the, you know, the how the lights are low and everybody's happy and everybody's going to survive another day. Yeah, you know, exactly. like that calmness <laughs> that we feel. Yeah. Uh, but it's crazy that then your art, whether you meant to or not, reflects that energy that you face or those experiences that of your life. And it means something to you. Whereas some artists literally just create whatever they do the same circle art every day and they do million, you know, they, mm -hmm. it's just like a thing that they do. And then other people look at it and feel something from it, you know, but it's cool to me to think about it from your perspective that the meaning that you put into it is reflective of your actual life. And I'm sure people sure. will hear it. People will hear it and have no idea what it's about yeah. and, and take their own meaning away from it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I think, like, type one awareness is super important, but I would never, like, sit there and make a fucking song. Nobody wants to hear that no, song. Nobody wants to hear that nope. shit. No. Nope. But, I mean, yeah. You, but, but so, you one it. of your songs that I feel, I don't know if this was written, because uh, it's one that we pulled from the archives, but Messmaker. Yeah. Was that written with this body of work? That no, that was uh, that was was that when Quinn was like maybe first born or something. That was whenever she was probably. I remember she was in her crib. So on like the phone recording one, she's like she makes a. I don't know if she like farts or something or like or stretches at the end of the of that one that's on that's already out there like on Bandcamp or Spotify right now. But like a no, that one was definitely like a. It was in the um, I guess like that like afterglow of birth fatherhood yeah zone you know what i'm talking about where yep. you're like i'm gonna fucking do everything in the possible for you no matter what happens you know mm -hmm. what i mean mm -hmm. so it fits on this album in my it does opinion. it fits well dude not in like in like a maybe not in a, like immediately i'm processing what's happening but in a uh, oh yeah this is the promise that i made and what i still feel mm-hmm during the the times that are like referencing the lyrics and all kinds of shit like that, you know? Because mm -hmm. like with, well, I think I said this on Tuesday, talking about Messmaker, mm -hmm. I said, well, because the thing with the song Messmaker specifically is that song as a message really gets to me. I don't know why, it just hits me because I think of this. I think of someone who has who pushes people away because they're a fucking mess. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like they just, yeah. they ruin parties, they uh, ruin conversations, yeah. they ruin, they just like in their family's eyes or in their friend's eyes, you know, it's like you always fucking do this, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I feel like everybody can picture that person in their mm -hmm. head. Mm -hmm. And I told you on Tuesday, I'm like, this song's going to save somebody from committing suicide. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing. Beca because like pretty cool. when I hear mess maker, mess maker, your mess is mine. It's a song of acceptance and a song of love. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> like that's really what I hear is like, no matter what you fuck up in the world, I still love you, which as a parent really is the relationship with a kid, like with mm -hmm. your kid who is just getting here to the world and puking on everything and shitting on everything and knocking everything <laughs> right. over. It's like <laughs> your mess is mine because yeah. they don't know any different. Like there's nothing that you can say to make them not make that mess. It's right. just what happens. You know, I, yeah. my, like August, 
my son drew on the he got his crowns out literally drew all over the kitchen underneath the window <laughs> on the wall the other day that's i didn't even awesome. see it chloe's like did you see this just lines everywhere and it's like that's perfect what are we gonna do i have no <laughs> idea you know leave it we're gonna leave it we have the same thing on our uh porch too yeah quinn drew all over the beams and everything and we're like, hey, whatever that's that yeah but that's yeah i mean i think once you reach that um knowledge of i love this person for me anyway once i've once there's always like a no going back line for me i feel like once i love somebody then it's just like oh you killed somebody okay let's figure out how to hide the body then like i'm not <laughs> i'm not like i'm not like okay whoa you know what i mean there's always right. like I got to figure out a way to still be in there somehow because mm-hmm. I've made the decision to yeah. love you, and I know that that was not a mistake. You know, mm-hmm. you know, but I that's know. what that's what like I think that these songs are. That's why it's important. I feel like to write in metaphor. Like, okay, this yes. is about a situation, but the beautiful metaphor of messmaker is like that is applicable to a relationship that is mm-hmm. applicable to right. somebody like i said who's like fuck shit up their whole life mm-hmm. it's like you're not so bad you know like yeah. somebody loves you we somebody, all you fuck know. up bad we probably don't know how bad we all fuck up i know someone all else is practicing their uh patience with us and we don't even realize it yep yep i'm sure that happens a lot and we just don't know mm-hmm. but yeah so but that's awesome. I, I, cause I hadn't ever asked you how you wrote the songs up till now, but finding out what the songs are about, I just imagine you up late at night, things are coming to you. Yeah. That's all. Cause I know that you're kind of a, you know, you just work when you can kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a night thing. I don't, now that you said that, I don't know that I've ever written lyrics during the daytime. Do you, do you edit your lyrics at all? Oh, yeah. It's, it's okay. like a constant that's editing good. process until I'm like, Okay, this is the right. That's this why they're good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not that hey, people thanks. can't get it right on the first try, but like when I hear your when I hear your lyrics or I read them, I'm like, "Geez, dude, these are really fucking good." <laughs> like they they make sense, they're cohesive. Uh, thanks. They're good. I I think it takes courage too to rewrite. Well, it becomes general practice for anybody who's done it for a while, but to to rewrite your stuff takes courage and it but it is the right thing to do it is always i don't know i would say every case maybe like maybe not every case maybe like 97 percent of the time or something but it's like at least try like can we make this better yeah well and in 90 like you say 97 percent of the time if you're referencing a whole song some of that shit's gonna stay Mm -hmm. like you're not gonna scrap all of it yes fuck this this is bad because if you felt the need to write it there's something there that is important was well important. i mean the same the same happened with your actual with the recordings like yeah we i mean really we finished recording like a month ago mm-hmm. i think i mean probably like we probably recorded it in like six six weeks or seven weeks mm-hmm. really we like got everything pretty much done we, we almost did a song a week for yeah. a minute and then you know some didn't but well and by week it's like not like a Eight hours no, a day a week, no. like maybe four hours a week, week yeah, probably. Which, right? so I just heard this yesterday, uh, consistency like beats motivation. So somebody who 
That's interesting. Somebody who works out based on consistency. It's like I go to the gym every, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at this time and I do I stay there for an hour. They will have better results than somebody who's like I go when I'm feeling up for it, you mm-hmm. know. Uh <clears throat> and thinking about consistency, one thing that you and I did, which I don't know if I've done this with anybody else with the studio and with being like with recording cuz usually it's like for me, which I haven't done that many projects in this studio or as like a producer, recording engineer, like, I mean, maybe this is like the seventh or eighth project, you know, like a full, like a thing. But, um, usually it's like come in for the weekend or come in for four days and we'll just get it all done and tracked and done, which that's probably how a lot of people work. But for us, it was, come in every Tuesday and Thursday uh, from 1 o'clock-ish, about 1 o'clock-ish to 5 o'clock-ish, mm-hmm. so about eight hours a week, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that we dedicated to it in the beginning. And then for me, it became more just doing the mixing. But on the flip side, it became more for you because you're putting together all the marketing. And that's something else that, like, that's something I've noticed that happens with – I talked to Jax – the lead singer of Atlas of the Dogs a little mm-hmm. bit about this too is I, I can see this community not everybody's down for this you know but like there is a community of people in our area in our artistic creative mm-hmm. area where where art is art while we're making it it's art that's what we treat it as we don't think of it as anything other than that's what it is it's what the song needs it's what we're doing in the moment it's what we're feeling but as soon as it's done we're thinking about how now it's a com- it's a piece of commerce. It's a product of right. commerce. Now we think about how to market it, how to sell it, how to describe it, all of this stuff to get it noticed, like right. to get it heard. Mm-hmm. And then we treat it after after it's done. It's all treated as. Um, I mean, it's it it. I don't mean this any meaningless way. It's it's literally a product. It like, is. That's yeah. how. And, and being on, like, we don't have the luxury of having, or I don't even know if it's a fucking luxury. Maybe it's a luxury not to have it, but, like, we don't have a marketing department. We don't have an A&R department. We don't have a president, like, a, an admin, an admin mm-hmm. here. Right. We don't have a production. No, there's nobody really divided. It's everybody's everything yeah. all <laughs> right. the time. Like, that's right. what we do. So yeah. then as the record's getting finished, <clears throat> we automatically start talking about, uh, how are we going to market it? How are we going to describe it? How are we going to show people who we're going to send it to? What's the best way to do any of that, you know? Mm-hmm. But luckily for us in this project, you have a history of, like a work history of marketing, mm-hmm. branding, yep. website building, <laughs> all of this yeah. shit. Yeah. It's amazing how everything that a person does up till today comes with their toolkit. Oh, for sure. You know? I know. And I feel like that shows with your project. Like, you can go to swampeyes.com or swampeyesmusic.com today and see everything. It's it's fucking awesome to have it all (laughs) set up and not have to, Uh. not rely on some, like, one person or, or another person to take care of all of it. You just don't. It's a collab. It's literally a, for us, it's like a two person collab, but, yeah, but that's like that's good. Uh, collaborations. I don't know. The more work, 
each person takes on. It's just like everyone take the next person takes on more work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's just uh, yeah. I think that's the way it needs to be in almost every creative situation. Well, it's some you know I think about this a lot. So uh, a fellow who I look up to very much here in Evansville told me that uh, he's like you know you need to turn your record label into a machine and like all of the different pieces that you do. You need to get somebody who specializes in that to do that mm-hmm. role, and then your record label will become a machine, which is the truth. But uh, at the beginning of October, we took a trip to Florida, and I hung out with a guy who owns like he owns a pretty big IT company now with like 300 employees. They got several locations across Florida, but he's super cool super laid back and just loves to learn about like what other people are up to. So he's asking me a bunch of questions and I told him that I was like, well, you know, I'm like embodying what this guy told me about turning my thing into a machine. He's like, well, I mean, yeah, no, there's like, there's beauty in that, but, or no, no, he's like, there is like, obviously there's growth in that and that's utility, but there's beauty in the grassroots movement of not having a bunch of employees and right. <clears throat> and partners and all of this shit. Because he's like, you have total control over what you do, right. you know? Right. And that's yeah. bad. <laughs> like, in his eyes, he's like talk. He's thinking how political and how, like, hard it is to move around 300 yes. people or get everybody on the same page. And he's like, you get to just... You get to do what? You know, like in his eye. And this is a guy who literally flies private. Like, right. You know, but he's like, man, that's awesome. So I don't know. You know, I feel like what we, like, what we're doing, it's, of course, we're not, we're not competing with Taylor Swift or these other humongous artists on Spotify (laughs) and in the, in the entertainment world. But like, that's their thing, but like what mm-hmm. we're doing, there is like a real beauty. This this project has become something. Swamp Eyes in this record has become something that is like so emotional for me. Same, yeah. Versus Absolutely. other stuff, other stuff that I've like because I don't see this as like a huge commercially commercially relevant thing. I really feel like we really right. went into deep water with this one. Just <laughs> yeah, we did searching and trying and well, I think that's discovering a, and yeah. I th- I think it goes back to what you're saying where we're like, uh, we should just do something together. I mean, we don't have a product in mind necessarily, but we definitely have the intention of having a good experience together yes for each other yes until we realize that oh shit this experience does produce a good product now let's fucking do something with it right yep i don't know i mean dude i somebody said it to me yesterday they said serious play it's like a it's like a philosophical i don't not philosophical psychological i don't know it's like a concept it's like a thing serious play it's when like it's when you enter into the domain of play so I'm going to sit down with my son and I'm going to play Uno. I take it. It's the only thing I'm doing. I'm not looking (laughs) at my phone. I'm not dicking around. You know, it's like I'm dead serious about what we're doing. And that is, so when he said that, I brought up this project and I brought this up to you the other day, but like this project, Swamp Eyes, is the one where we have been the most 
open, relaxed. Our text messages, like it's all just like mostly just bullshit yeah. and like funny, <laughs> you know. Like the the stuff that I say, like like when I send you the links, yeah. I it's usually one word. Sometimes it's two. <laughs> like. With a lot of spam talk in there. Yeah, it's a lot of spam try to trigger talk. It, try to yes. trigger it to go into a different inbox. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's just fucking around yeah. on most at, like aspects of the project when it comes to, like, communication and the way that we are with each other. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes down to the work, every time you leave here, you need to change your shirt because it's sweaty. <laughs> Because yeah. you you go so hard yeah. when we're working on the records. Or like yeah. when I listen back to the music, I get emotional because I feel your energy in the music. <laughs> That's good. Yes. And it's it's the most like when we're doing it, it's the most serious, like we're both fully committed. Absolutely. Serious yeah. as shit when we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. But, but then but it's like serious play. It's like mm-hmm. we're entering into this domain, but but we're really open to whatever happens. It's like, oh, well, like that was kind of cool. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's try that again. You know, like we were very open, but I I feel like I have learned so much <laughs> through doing this project. I have too. It's been I a really great have. experience over Same the last here. three months or something. You Absolutely. Know? It's so nice to have... Uh, another person on the project too instead of because that's what you're used to like you're used to yeah i'm just loner yeah i'm used to doing it myself and then being and and i think so that has changed for me on this record specifically uh because like i was talking earlier i feel like everything that i make for swamp eyes that's like the channel i chose to release and to the process you know that's like the like you were saying that's my serious channel i feel like yes and then uh so when I'm doing it myself and I and I finish it, that the work is like that it's complete and I'm like okay yeah. it's done. So I because I'm have processed something and it's out of me and we're good to go. So like just get away from me. Whereas like this project, it's like I do feel like the realization of uh, of that has occurred to where like I am processing, I'm figuring it out, but it's a product that. Can be marketed as as well, right? Because it's of not that. just an expression, yeah, of what you're going through. It's like it's a cohesive record, and it's got other things behind it now. It's gonna stop 100 suicides this year. Yeah, that's what we <laughs> hope so. I mean, you know, uh, but yeah, I get that. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a lot different. I I honestly think too, it all changes when you just have one person who's behind you. That's like, dude. This is badass. Let's let's do it. It does. Like let's do something with it. it. Really, yeah. What, and and what that leads to, who knows? You know, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. just who who in the world knows? But I, like personally, when I was doing, uh, when I was in college, when I was a senior in college, at, at Full Sail in Orlando, I was making. I had just started the project Paradox, and I don't even think I released a song yet. I think it was all just on my computer. And uh, one day, a buddy named Esteban came over, who then became my manager. But like, up till that point, the project was just an idea in my head and a bunch of just random songs on my laptop. And then it just took one person in him to to ask me, 
Well, I remember we were hanging out in the living room and he said, what have you been up to? Because he knew I made music. Because <laughs> yeah. what's funny is you go to a school like Orlando, or I mean like Full Sail in Orlando, and you meet a bunch of people who make music and you think that everybody makes music when they leave school, but only like only like a small percentage of people actually go like do the music when they're not in school. I feel like that's probably the same with art school yeah, and sure. like a bunch of degrees where you might be going to school to be an entrepreneur, but only like four people in a class of 50 have a business. You know, it's mm-hmm. like only a few people are practicing what they're doing. So when he saw, he knew that I made music, but when he came in the room and I played him some stuff, I played him Frenchie. It was the first song that I had released with, that I ended up releasing, but it just took one person to hear it, which was him and ask me like, so what are you going to do with this? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> right. Put it on SoundCloud yeah. or something. Like, what, do, what does everybody do? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I just, I didn't think in a way that, well, we're going to send it to these people and we're going to try to get these people to hear it. And we're going to build on that and try that. You know, I, I, it never occurred to me in a million freaking years. I thought people, I thought you made music and then people just came and then you got famous or something. <laughs> I had no idea how any of it worked. Yeah. But as soon as one person stood behind me and said, I, you know, I'll help you do this, you think about everything very differently, you know? Yes. It's like, well, then, oh, shit, okay, let's get this together. Let's, like, in your case already, there's a bunch of people to send it to. There's a bunch of just marketing and uh, not, not marketing, branding behind it already, you know? Mm-hmm. Which just mm-hmm. makes it so much more of a real, not I don't know. Legitimate. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. You know, project. That's (laughs) gives it a lot more life. Yeah. Versus just which you know, the indie thing's got its place. No offense to anybody who doesn't like business (laughs) in in art, but Man, I've had I feel I've had this conversation with several people who are I guess just at the same level we are with this where if you're passionate enough about your creativity, there has to be some interest in the business part of it Mm. or else maybe you're not passionate enough. Right. You know, or maybe you don't care about, or you're like a total hobbyist. Yeah. You don't care about making a living off of it or. Right. I mean, and that doesn't mean you like, you have to make a living off of it for it to be something you're passionate, but like you do need to have that drive of like, okay, how can I make, how can I, do this for forever yeah and, and if you're maybe not thinking that at the beginning because you don't care and it's cool to be anti business and all that i mean figure it out eventually yeah i feel like eventually though it's when you're still working at a fucking bullshit job and you're 32 it's like i've been making music for 20 i don't know you know like a situation and then someone's like this sucks you know, like, because I already think that about so many situations in music. I'm like, I don't want to be doing some of the shit that I'm doing now in 10 years, you know, or, mm-hmm. or I don't want to, like, I, I, I truly believe that to get out of this current state that I'm in, which is not a bad state, but it's like, I'm in sort of like a DIY beginner's place where, 
or not DIY grassroots, I should say. But I mean, to punch through is, in my opinion, just takes. It takes that, like it takes something to take off. Like something has to punch through the noise, rise above ninety percent of everything else, and 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 then, okay, now we've done something credible, or you know. Well, maybe you specifically, not. I don't know. No, you specifically with Wally Opus, you, and I feel like everyone who, uh, who I talk to who has the same passion and and goals, you are a, you are a listener and you ask people questions that you get real good advice from. And you've just, you've, I mean, you've mentioned like six times just on this podcast, <laughs> specifically like specific conversations from people that you've grabbed a hold of that's that you've at least thought about to get to the next right, right. step. I just feel like, I mean, I know people get lucky, but I, f- I don't know. I feel like the way that, uh, you climb up is exactly what you're doing right now is asking people who you feel like are ahead of you, the, the questions that you can learn from, you know? I appreciate that. That is like a, that is a big compliment or that, that is something that at the end of the day, like this sounds silly, but I've thought about this a lot recently. It's like, at the end of the day, I think that the whole reason I'm doing any of this is because like, I want to be noticed. Like I want to be, <laughs> selfish as fuck but it sounds selfish as fuck but it's like through my service to other artists and through this it's like i just want to have my name on some credits i just want to be recognized somewhere because that's like also sort of in my dna is to like be among whoever it is i don't even you know in whatever domain it's like i want to be with them like i want to be rec- i want to be noticed like they are you know yeah yeah but don't you feel like that's the that's uh like the surface level want where mm-hmm. where the actual that doesn't gain, drive me yeah the yeah. gain is that okay you can do what you want to do that will give you enough money to mm-hmm. raise your family and that you're not fucking stressed financially right at all you know what I mean? right isn't that like the and main work thing? on the projects that I want to work on, you yeah. know. I mean, I feel like you just work know. with people I love who I want to work with <laughs> yeah. versus like, you know, paying my bills. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. that I don't work. I mean, actually, most of the things I work on right now are stuff that I choose to. I'm in a lucky position to do that at this place, but. But, but yeah, that's not really yeah. hard to get. Every I don't know. I've, everyone who's like in this place right now has worked hard to get to where they are. You know. Yes. I mean, yeah. Do you feel do you feel that the other activities that you're involved in, like in the bio I mentioned twelve mm-hmm. things that you've done? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh <clears throat> that are notable in my opinion, like that you know, like several of them are stuff that you've built, mm-hmm. like uh, companies or Yeah. But do you feel like that stuff specifically with Swamp Eyes comes in handy? Is it is, yeah. is it informative? For sure, yeah. I mean, like for example with dead ends we use like Shopify right now and that's something that <laughs> that I know I can avoid with Swamp Eyes which right now I'm just using a um like GoDaddy web builder which is perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't even need it even though I can develop a website I just don't need to because of that. But yeah, I think that comes in handy because there's so many problems with so many problems and obstacles with every single creative medium that I think that and I think mm-hmm. that they all help each other out. 
But I also think that that's how it helps me figure out the medium to choose for certain ideas I have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like instead of using like. I probably wouldn't title a song the same thing I would put on a t-shirt for dead ends yes. or something like, you know what I mean? Right. Where it's like, you gotta, you gotta have the avenues to throw your shit in. And, um, like you're not gonna process. Well, maybe I, don't know. I was going to say, you're most likely not going to process the emotions that you did with this record by releasing five shirts, right? you know, or, exactly. Yeah. But like, there's, but that's like the, uh, Kind of, like, I was gonna bring this up earlier, but like with the chugs, like that is a totally different, yes, totally different need for me. Where it's like a personal, like I need someone, kind of like what you're saying earlier. Like I need someone to think that something's a little bit funny. Like I yes, need it, but yes. I also need to make punk music, just straight punk music, mm-hmm. and that's what that is. And it's extremely cathartic for me, but not in a, a totally different avenue, right? But yeah, like I'm not probably going to write any lyrics for the chugs that have anything to do with type one (laughs) right or your actual your actual experience of your day-to-day life i mean that's it is still i don't know not all of it with the chugs but you pull from everyday life yeah you know maybe not your life all the time in the chugs specifically but but I f- but I feel like maybe maybe the consistency and branding and that kind of stuff that you feel with Swamp Eyes comes from me having these other channels to exercise my other needs. Like I'm not going to put a funny song on a Swamp Eyes album, probably. Yeah, yeah. Be strange. Or th- or through your or even through your day job of working yeah. in marketing mm-hmm. and internet services, like recognizing the businesses that do well versus don't do well. Oh, for sure. I'm sure Absolutely. that you take all of that in yeah. all of the time, whether you consciously are documenting it or not, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're taking it in all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, then, definitely. I mean, there's so many uh, like uh, different pros and cons f- that you can get from a, a really good day job that you can use in your creative world yes. on an everyday basis, and I do that. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like, like right now, uh, I mean, for work, I'm making a, like a downloadable PDF about organic marketing and which, and you know, the goal there is to give everyone, here's how, here's how you um, set yourself up for success so that we can market you and make you more successful Mm. because those are the best clients are Mm -hmm. people who are doing as much as they can already. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that exists in uh, like the music world with record labels, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, so you have this many um, streams a month and this many listeners a month. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That means that we have these targeting options whenever we're using this marketing tactic to get in the ears of the, these people and we can expect this ROI from it. Mm-hmm. Versus like, I don't know, someone who has no listeners. Like, I mean, I, I don't have very many for Swamp Eyes right now, but like it would it would be strange for like a Capitol Records or something to be like, yep, let's just sign you and give you a six album deal right now. Exactly. Even though we have no idea <laughs> yeah. how it's like, we don't have any idea yet. where your value's at. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Well, I will, I mean, I, I was thinking this the other night based off of just the amount of work that you've personally done for your own project, 
it frees up on my side, it frees me up to literally focus on finishing the music and getting it as best as I can because I'm not also then worried about I have to log all this all these contacts and all these emails that I we're gonna have to send this shit to because that's really where we're at. We're at like a fire and you know, mm-hmm. spray it out there mm-hmm. place on on in some aspects of releasing it. But it like it takes away all of that. And but dude, it makes sense. I mean imagine being warner records or these like giant record labels and it's like okay we're gonna plug you into our system (laughs) you better be able to go on the road you better be able to pull a crowd in almost every city in america (laughs) and like because if not if not it's not gonna be good for you and it's not gonna be good for us Mm -hmm. so none of it makes any damn sense you know and but it's funny how long it takes me at least to realize that that's how I was telling uh I was telling somebody this over the weekend that only so I've been I've only been booking shows for bands or for anybody for like a year. And I have don't even do it full time. So it's just right. something I kind of offer. Mm-hmm. But it's only until the last month that I realized that booking agents and venues really don't give a shit what the band or the music is. All they care about, unless it's like a genre-specific venue, but all they really care about is ticket sales and uh, basically ticket sales. Are you going to pull a crowd, you know, in our... Are you going to pull a crowd in this... In alcohol sales from the bar. But basically, like, are you going to pull a crowd in this city and how many people... And does does anybody even know who that is? Right. Because that... That was questions I got a ton in the beginning, but it didn't dawn on me until now that that is literally what they need to know. Mm-hmm. Is like, are we going to sell 200 tickets and $1,200 at the bar? And other than that, it's really like we really don't care right. what is going on, you know? But so, I, I yeah, it's just like it's nice to know value at the end of the day or like what you're literally bringing to the table if you're going to work with certain people and the same goes for like in my case i am nobody like when it comes to most things music i'm just a dude out here <laughs> in the evansville but but even with me sometimes i i feel i feel the need to turn down certain projects because i'm like i can't help you where you're at like you just need to keep making your records like like just with this record it sounds like something you could just bedroom produce and Mm -hmm. you don't need to pay me i don't need to get involved with like a person's record that i don't feel like i could actually do anything with or right be mutually beneficial you Mm -hmm. know right which takes a it just takes time to even know where you fit in with all this shit you know yep and to recognize where you're at and then yeah it's just it the process of all of it you know mm-hmm. but and then just keep chipping away at the block and keep mm-hmm. building it and aiming higher and well i i think with this project too kind of like we talked about earlier we don't even really know what the fuck to call its genre at all you know yeah. not that you need it but that's another reason to have all of these marketing materials ready yeah. because okay we've done everything that we can do marketing wise Besides, like here's here it is, whatever it is. You right, know what I mean? Right. 
So And we can try to describe it the best we can, but it's kinda like like yesterday I did a I did like a little um interview thing. I'm going to a retreat next week, so it was like a pre retreat interview. And the first question he asked me was, Who are you? <laughs> I'm like, Oh <laughs> God fuck. Yeah. He's like, Well what came to mind? I'm like, Well what came to mind first was what do you mean by who am I? Do you mean like my identity or do you mean like what other people say or do you mean who What's I your birth think name? I am? Can I yes. see your social security card? Yeah, like the facts. Like what are the... <laughs> like? But that's kind of the way it is with your project. It's like, okay, describe it to me. But when you're doing something in the weeds, like what we are, like going into the deep end, it's like, man, I don't know exactly know how to... Yeah. Which... I hate saying that too because then people are like, it's got to be something. It's not yeah. brand new. No, you know? and I mean, it's definitely experimental at heart, but even saying that doesn't really give a good example. Yeah. Like you can say the same thing about like Mr. Bungle and that you still don't know what that sounds like either. Yeah. But, and not saying in any way that this sounds like a Mr. Bungle record, it, which who, is, who are the, who are the, uh, for fans of, Man, you know, I think that initially coming in here, I was like, when it, when we were thinking about doing a five song EP, I think that I felt closest to like a radical face, yeah, with uh, some maybe like hardcore punk leanings, which is. And maybe some Danny Elfman elements, mm-hmm. just because I've been obsessed with him my whole fucking life. <laughs> maybe like you, Danny Elfman, as far as like a scoring goes. Okay, because I don't think I don't think this sounds like Big Mess, his latest album, mm-hmm. or, or Oingo Boingo, right? Or Oingo Boingo. I don't think so. At all. I don't even know anything about Oingo Boingo other than Danny Elfman was the lead man. Mm-hmm. I, I I like them a lot, but it, this is not <laughs> doesn't sound not like them. it. No, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I feel like Radical Face. Because uh, there's, there's a couple like um, there's a little bit of math mathiness in it, but not a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. There's a there's enough to get a taste of it. There's I some think. five eight timing yeah. here and uh-huh. uh, some little like some sections that are literally like focused on rhythm and percussion. Yeah. Which yes. I don't know if that's a definite. I don't know if that's a defining characteristic of math rock, but seems to be right something right. we're focused on rhythm and well and like half the time when we were in here in the vocal booth we were like okay well let's just do like seriously 50 takes of different like harmonies to see what we can get and then we're yes. like oh my god this like and when you listen to it without the other instrument instrumentation it sounds like a fucking in sync or like a <laughs> gospel yes Record. There are literally some '90s boy band harmonies, yeah. that we pulled on this record, not consciously necessarily. No, you don't. But know when until it would happen, it. yes, when it would happen, it was obvious. Like, holy yeah. shit, dude! Yeah, uh, "Widow in the Window" that, well, which is going to be called "Trash Palette." Do you have I to pee? So. I do have to pee. You can see yeah, my legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to piss too. Let's take a one quick break, and then we'll come back and like wrap it up. Or that something. sounds good. Right. But I was gonna say, uh. We were talking about harmonies and stuff. Yeah. What I noticed yesterday when I was listening back to um, Widow in the Window mm-hmm. was that Widow in the Window <laughs> is another way to put that. But Widow Widow in the Window, I was thinking, 
man, you know, when you get into certain genres and you get into certain arrangements of music, it almost lends itself to orchest- like orchestral interpretations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because with your, with your music specifically, we outline so many melodies with your yeah. harmonies. <laughs> right. And so, yeah. and they're, they're, but they're all, some of them are screams, some of them are oohs and ahs, some of them are like, I don't even, like some of them are lead vocals, but then others are guitar, like other elements of the song going with that is guitars with cello. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah. so much happening that last time when I was listening, I was thinking, holy shit, dude. There could be an orchestral inter- interpretation of this with like a full symphony orchestra that'd be so outlining. Cool. Oh, it'd be badass. Yeah, because I'm just thinking like like all of that with the strings outlining certain harmonies and then the woodwinds. You know, I could just hear that with your music. Well, now that you now that you bring that up and going back to your question of like the for fans of, I do feel like there's like a hint of the deer hunter. Mm. in there not deer hunter but the deer hunter d-e-a-r with um because they they had that exact same thing well casey the uh i guess the main guy the, the songwriter and vocalist and guitarist he all they he worked with some orchestra i forgot what it was but they also did an interpretation of or no he wrote did he, he wrote an orchestra or orchestral piece yeah okay. but anyway yeah i i think that people will could hear that influence as well. And yeah. I don't listen to those guys every day, but they were definitely a huge influence. Um, college years, and mm-hmm. they also have kind of a story, storyline, lyrical vibe. So I don't know. Anyway, just, just reminded did, me of them. Did you, um, <clears throat> did you ever take like singing lessons or anything? No, no. But I had the luxury of having. An extremely uh, talented family of musicians. Yes, yeah. I would say that I am the least talented of my family. At um, what's at, funny? Okay, keep going. Well, my dad and my mom are both incredible guitarists. My dad more of like an electric guitar guitarist, and my mom's more finger style. Um, my sister's an incredible vocalist. Uh, they, they're all all three of them are extremely good vocalists. I feel like I can sing. But when I'm in a vocal booth and I have the opportunity to to fuck around and to go at go for it, I feel like I recognize that I still can even though that I wouldn't necessarily call myself a singer, I can still hit those notes and and give and uh give the listener what I want them to hear. You, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, I feel like I would not classify myself as a singer, but I know what I I know that that does kind of shine on this album. Which is strange because I had never thought that that would ever be the case. For the record, no auto tune, no vocal correction, <laughs> one time on the entire record, and uh, I do that on almost everything I work on. At some point, is vocal tuning, not auto tune, really ever, unless it's my own music. Sometimes I put auto tune, but most of the time it's just vocal editing a little bit just to get stuff fitting right. But no, not not on yours. But what's funny when you said to your parents, which, by the way, your parents did play at my wedding. Yes. So I can, <laughs> yeah. I can. Uh, your parents' band. Your mom was, you know, your mom was like Paul McCartney playing yep. the bass mm-hmm. and singing vocals. Your dad sang some too uh, and played lead guitar. But your dad can shred for days. Yeah. 
on the on the lead guitar. Yep. But their band played at our wedding, which was great. Mm-hmm. Was it their last gig? Or one of their last I think gigs? it was their very last show. I feel like it was. It was. Because they weren't going to do it. I think they came out of retirement. They did. For your wedding. They did. Which uh, is awesome. Yeah. It's badass. That's exactly what happened. Oh my God, I forgot about that. But wouldn't it make sense that you call yourself the least talented or skilled at one, uh, you know... If your dad's if your dad's skilled at electric guitar and your sister's a skilled vocalist and your mom's a skilled finger picking guitar player, which she did, like wasn't her one of her mentors? What was her mentor? One of her mentor's name? Look at one of the guys that she studied oh, under. John. God, what is his name? Um, let me find. Let me and his mentor was Chet Atkins. Oh, uh, well, so John. God, what is his name? You just sent me one of his records like two months ago or a month yeah. ago or something. Finger I'll picking. Find him right now. He's like one of my favorite musicians. A lot, lot of Johns in the world to so, keep up with. So I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out later. But anyway, she's literally a trained finger picking. Oh, she's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is funny because she plays bass in the band. Well,. Yeah, uh-huh. but I mean, you can definitely play bass if you can finger style. Right, guitar. right. Well, definitely. Um, well, they're like, yeah, the band was a cover band. Yes. For people who don't know. But but uh, what was your initial question about like... So, well, what I was going to say was, what's funny is, so you're saying that the you're the least... So there's four people in your family. You're saying that you're the least talented at one, like maybe like one single instrument or one thing. But I almost feel like, Whatever you didn't get in talent, you got in spades of creativity. Yeah, you I have can see the that. creative bug. You have the like, you have the like the think of something new and try something new. You have that thing constantly going. I don't know if your parents and that's, like if your family has that necessarily. I, like maybe that's what you got though. And I almost feel that. Like I feel similar. I I almost think that's what a lot. Of, I was listening to Kanye West last night. I know that's a trigger topic right now, but uh, it was on the radio. But it was "Good Life" with him and T Pain, an older song. Okay. I was listening to him sing a Kanye's part when he sings. I was thinking his voice really is not that good, but <laughs> but it doesn't matter because yeah, he is insanely creative and pushing the boundary you know so i feel like that is its own that to me is the valuable part you know Mm -hmm. because if someone walks in and they're a great singer that's awesome but what are we going to do with it yeah you know know. right but someone who's okay at singing but has something really interesting going on i actually think i would pick that person to Mm -hmm. Work that makes with, sense. You know? That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's that's more attractive, at least to me. You know? Okay. I, yeah. But. Well, I, yeah. I think that also growing up in that household, I had um, the luxury of being able to exercise any type of creativity I wanted, mm-hmm. which was like. Your I parents had, encouraged you? Yeah, very much so. There was never a time whenever they discouraged me to the point where it was like, oh my God, you're showing your friends the song I made? The song is the most vulgar thing I've ever heard in my whole entire life. So, they would show their friends? They would yeah, there were several times wherever like um for dead end songs, I think I would I would make several that were just like let's just see how vulgar we can get with this. <laughs> you know, and then they'd be like proud of me for it and which is funny. It's like it, it's just real. I've never like second 
had a second thought about if I could do something creatively. That's, that, that's huge. And it, and it would affect their my, my relationship with them. Never, ever. I wonder if that was a conscious deci- decision by your parents to like raise you in a way, raise you in an environment where it was like, we're going to safely let him do whatever he wants. Yeah. You know, in terms of expression and... I think that's a, trying I think, things. Yeah, and I think that's really important because if you let that happen, you also let the kid, which was me in this scenario, figure out where the boundaries are of like what is creativity, what is like violence. What I, yeah, I feel like you figure yeah. that out through experimentation as like, okay, here's the boundary, and you don't do this, you don't do that. Like maybe this is wrong, maybe this is the way to continue or. You like, know, or even like what's funny, what's not, yeah, what's entertaining, uh-huh. what's not. Right. You know. Right. Exactly. Because if you're trying to if you're trying to figure that stuff, if you're trying to work that out in a vacuum with no feedback or no support, how do you know? How do you have any reference for it's kinda like when you're like I'm I mean, dude, we live in the time of bedroom producers. So I feel when I was a bedroom producer when I was younger just making stuff for myself pretty much when I first got into it, you think it's one thing and then you show somebody or you go to like an open mic and perform one of your songs and you realize like, Oh shit, it's not as good as I thought. Or, (laughs) or it's like, Oh, they like the one that I didn't even pay any attention to. You know, I think that last thing you said exists like throughout the whole world in every single creative medium always. Mm. I think that is the true. diamond in the rough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did like I oh, I wrote the song in half an hour. That's probably going to be the one. Yeah. And I don't like it. Like. <laughs> but then like everybody else is like, "Dude, that's the fucking one." Are you kidding? You know. Yeah, where the 10% of effort went. Yes. Versus the 90%. And you're like, "But what about the one that I spent 3 years on <laughs> yeah, and yeah. $1000 recording?" Uh, trash it. Yeah. Scrap it. What's funny is I just watched an Elton John interview uh, the other night. I don't know why. I, I don't even know why I watched it. I watched the whole <laughs> fucking thing. It was an hour long. <laughs> I was just trying to watch something musical, mm-hmm. and it was on Amazon Prime for free or available. So, But he talked about Billy Joel. Or not Billy Joel. Fuck. He talked about Benny and the Jets. <laughs> He did talk about Billy Joel in the documentary, but he talked about Benny and the Jets and uh, another song. I want to. It was like Crocodile Rock or Tiny Dancer, one of his big hits. Crocodile Rock was my first favorite song. Oh, that's badass! We have home videos of dancing to that song. Great fucking song. Year old, I think. Yeah. But uh, he was talking about definitely Benny and the Jets. I know for sure was one that he didn't want to record. He thought it was stupid, corny, didn't want to track it. But whoever the record label, somebody talked him into doing it. And then those became some of his monster hits, you know? And it's funny how, like, I feel like that is just a thing in life, you know? It's just the one that you don't, (laughs) the hidden gem that you just have no idea what's going to go on. And then Uh it does, you know, it makes the, it it makes the noise. It does the, it punches through, Uh you know? For sure. That's why I feel like you can't, I mean, as the creator, this is probably what, like, Rick Rubin posts on social, on uh, Instagram, I don't even know if it's him, his team, or whoever, but I always screenshot them and I look at them, <laughs> and a lot of them are about, like, like uh, not being judgmental during the process, because you have no idea. 
you don't even know what you're doing most of the time. (laughs) It's only after the fact that you can collect your thoughts and what is this thing Mm -hmm. that we've done or sometimes people know when they set out what they're going to do, but sometimes, you know, even if you have demos, like you brought demos in, but some of them, some of the songs ended up very different than the original idea. Yeah. Well, so we had an experience like that on your record where uh, a song was written quickly. And Mm -hmm. to me, it's one of my personal favorites because of that connection to it with Cheers. Oh, yeah. It was... uh, and I always think that that's a great thing to do is uh, uh, is to leave room for some some uh, to leave some space for the unknown. You know, I think that's something I learned through this project, specifically from you about that. Just being like, let's just see. Yeah. All right, let's just kind of like you come in with five out. songs. Okay, <laughs> it's that's eight. great. No, yeah. Now we have eight. Yeah. By the way, right? Yeah, because you come in with five songs, which is awesome. That's what we're definitely going to do. Those, but there le- we leave room for like the unknown of what pops up. So for, for Cheers, sure. do you what? What do you, what do you remember about Cheers? Well, for Cheers specifically, which is so this there's a, a real reason why it's the last song on the album is because. For uh, the second to last song on the album, which I'm 100% sure on the title of that song yet, but I remember like actually <laughs> like passing from one stage of grief hmm. into another in the vocal booth. It's like, okay, that the take that we use at the end, the screaming thing at the end, talking about the wretches and the leftovers, that is like that take actually like completed a stage of grief for me, which is fucking which, oh crazy. Oh my god, you were yelling at the end. We left it all in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all in there. <laughs> Afterwards, <laughs> fuck. But that you know, everything. That, yeah, but that like we decided really, that was a deliberate decision. Like, yep. Yeah, well, because that's like that's really that's like auditory evidence of me. There yeah. we go. Okay, that phase of my life is done. That is actually the end of that phase of my life, and yeah. now. And then Cheers was recorded after and discussed after that because we were like, because like you said, here's, what if we did another one? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, didn't even think about that. Okay, yeah, let's do it. And it, to me, like I can personally feel the uh, resolution from the second song or from the second to last song to Cheers, which is the last song. It's like okay. It's the, it's the, um, the denouement, I guess, of the record. You know, the, the what? The denouement, like the like the falling action. Mm. It's just like okay. What's what's that term the, come from? Denouement. I have no fucking clue. Like some Latin like, or something. It sounds Latin. Could be. I don't know. I just remember learning about it in like English class. Or okay. Something. Okay. As far as Closing like plot points and stuff goes, yeah, just yeah, it's like after the. It's like the the last five minutes of a movie, essentially. Okay, gotcha. You know, last gotcha. five, ten minutes of movie after the climax happens where, okay, they're married and now there are a couple jokes and then there we go. And then we're you know I mean? yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's what I feel like this is on the record is like, a, okay, it's finished. Everybody good? Okay, yep. let's go. Because you, you were, this, this happened uh, with a band I record over the summer, Sunflower Syndrome. Mm-hmm. They 
and I feel like this is why it's always important to be listening when you're in the studio because people come in with an idea of what they want or what they're gonna what they're gonna do, but then when musicians hang out, it always creates something new because well most people just can't sit still so they just do something you know, <laughs> yeah. and so when I was recording Sunflower Syndrome in like June, uh, we were between takes. I don't know. We were like doing something. I don't know. Like I was doing something, whatever, but they, uh, we, we sound checked again. Oh no. It was the very first night that they came in to load in their bass player wasn't here. So it was everybody else except the bass player. And I said, play something. They said, well, let's play. I don't even know if they had a name for it. Let's play this. They didn't have a name for it. And they jammed this thing and I thought, well, that was fucking cool. But they're like, it was that wasn't a song. They didn't have lyrics. It was just like an idea. They just sound checked. So then we did the whole record. Then at the end of the record, I said, You know that thing that you guys did in the jam? Uh, like in the in the sound check? It was just like a jam. They're like, Yeah. And I played it for them again. And the, even the bass player is like, well, that's pretty dope. Like, what was <laughs> yeah. that? You know? And then Gave them a night. They went home, wrote lyrics, and came back the next day, and we just made it a song. And now it's called Off the Cuff, which is funny. I, I said that. I gave them that title. I was like, it's Off the Cuff. So I named the session file Off the Cuff. Yeah. They used Off the Cuff and wrote lyrics. Uh, but it's one of my favorite records on their song. It is. Our songs on their record because it's totally spontaneous and totally unplanned. They came in, they killed that recording, and that was the one that I think you even I said, said. I said that was like, yeah, I said this is going to be the one people like, <laughs> which is exactly what we were talking about with the last five minutes about uh so when then, so then when she, so that <laughs> that was when I learned that lesson of like leave uh -huh. some space because uh -huh. you have no idea what's going to happen, and then when you came in, that's I think when we were between takes or something, you were plucking around this just mm -hmm. you know this pattern on your on your guitar, and I asked, is that a song or is that just like what do you you know oh it's just an idea whatever, <laughs> and <laughs> I thought well what if you made like what if you took that home with you and you made something a little more just straight up vocal and guitar mm -hmm. like that's it mm -hmm. that's before we did a couple other songs just like mm -hmm. that but that was the first one where it was like what if you just tried that because in my eyes being a commercial informed per a commercially informed person who looks at playlists and numbers a lot yeah it was like well what if you made something that was like perhaps a little more accessible <laughs> to people like my mom or right. to uh, my yeah. wife. Like people who, if they hear screaming, I'm, they're probably not ever going to listen to it again. Yeah. yeah. But if they hear a very soothing vocal over of a, a pleasant guitar strumming, they might really like it. And then they might go a little deeper mm -hmm. and, and want to know what else you got to offer on your project. But... Then you came. Then you literally went home, came back the next Tuesday or whatever it was, and you had vocals, and we tracked it. And to me, that song, still when I hear it, I just I'm transported to like a place of yeah, like it just mm -hmm. soothes me when I hear that. It just takes me to that. I don't know. 
don't know. It wasn't planned. It was spontaneous, most of it. So it was very, um, but yeah, I mean, lyrically, it sound. I feel like initially, maybe it sounds dark, but it is not no. that dark of a song. It's at a all. loving song. Yeah, <laughs> it really yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, which I is funny because you try to try to explain that to somebody. If you try to explain, I tried to explain it to Chloe in the car. That's I felt like such an idiot. I'm like, <laughs> it's this dead body <laughs> yeah. floating in a river, and you're talking to the body about how proud that you are that he gets to move on yeah. to the next phase, mm-hmm. and how it's all over, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. And you know, I mean, that just sounds. To somebody who's not willing to go there, not that Chloe's not, but you know, just saying, it seems like you're talking to a dead body about <laughs> right, what? Right, you know, it seems right. odd. Well, I think that uh, <laughs> it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely strange lyrically, which, but I think, I think the goal for me with that song was to emulate the dream that it was based off of, which it, for me, I feel like I don't really have very many dreams. I don't really sleep very much. I don't enter the ram stage too frequently mm. but like while we were during our recording process i did have a dream one night like as we were finishing up it was like i was at this it's kind of like what the lyrics describe but i was at a river bend it was like super colorful and i was just kind of like s- sitting there and uh i saw a just a dead body floating pretty slowly face down floating face down like pretty slowly down the river into uh or i guess it was more yeah down into like the river kind of like into a bigger body i guess like stream into a river you know like the the mouth of the river whatever you know and um i feel like i should have been more stressed in my dream but it was like the best dream i've had in a really long time because like the feeling i got from it was okay yeah like you're saying that guy's done move on you're ready to like do something else like yes. you've lived here here you go like congrats dude cheers yes do whatever is next don't bother like coming to the don't like surface on land and like make more problems for everybody else just kind of right. like fucking let it go. go on just give just leave it just go you know and um i think because there's a there are a lot of things that I think are worse than death. And I think that dream kind of helped me like internalize that where it's like some people that isn't the worst thing yes. that happens. Um, and I don't know necessarily what the worst things are, but it definitely helped me internalize that. And I think that I tried to put it into music. Well, what's funny is, before you told me what the lyrics were about on the day that we recorded it, that was the vibe I got. I, I said, my first reaction was, it's a foggy morning after a Civil War battle. Like, that's what my <laughs> initial... Do you remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. said that the my first interpretation of it was that, and this was really before I had known what you wrote about, but it was like... Yeah, this was pre... Was this pre-tracking it or... No, this was, was this? when you were recording the vocals. Okay, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, but I but I didn't know what you were singing about still. It's not like I didn't had like, listened yet, yeah. but it was just the vibe was that this is like a landscape of uh 
like the battlefield is settled there's bodies everywhere um there's small or fog in the early morning but it's it's like but but the people but the you know the nurses and in the the country like the the residents around the town have come to clean up the bodies and clean up the scene but something really bad happened the night so like even in this <laughs> yeah. guy's case right. i don't know how the fuck this guy in your dream died it might have been brutal and yeah. that might have been horrific <laughs> right. but the aftermath is very calm and peaceful and you know like um that that is something that like with like with death in general that is something that as i've that like i've come to grips with is that um death is not okay let's define death here because when someone gets killed like when a like when a kid gets murdered or like like something really bad happens it really fucks with me hard for sure but when my 95 year old grandma passes away it's not the same right. like to me it's like the ultimate um the ultimate moving on the ultimate like my grandma's funeral was at St. Peter and Paul Church, where she was a parish member, she went there like three times a week. She was very involved. And then when she passed away, the church was packed. Mm -hmm. And they were singing the hits of the Catholic songbook. <laughs> and in my opinion, like they were like yeah. rifling off the right. hits. Uh, and, Fuck yeah. and there was one moment where I remember like looking up and in church saying like, fuck, because like, I couldn't believe how beautiful this was. Like, it was like, you deserve every bit of this. Everybody yeah. here, this beautiful music, there was like five fucking musicians, which they don't, they can't get two on a Sunday, but grandma gets five. <laughs> there was like 12 priests who showed, I mean, it was like epic for a Catholic old woman. And I remember just being like, I was sobbing because I couldn't, I was overwhelmed by the beauty of this, this moving on of life. And, and a lot of times when, when somebody older like that dies, uh, I, that's the way I feel. It's like, I don't necessarily feel a, I don't necessarily feel like a sadness. It's not sadness. It's grief, but it's more so like, I can't believe how I can't believe this. It's so beyond comprehension what's happening, right. you know, versus when a young person dies, like when Noah with the strangers, when when he overdosed and I got the call, that was very much like a oh my god, what the fuck? Like he Yeah. That's fucked up because that dude had so much going for him and so much life left and it just feels like really fucked up that he's not going to be able to do that. Like I, I, when he died, I was also saying fuck, but it was more so like, Oh fuck. Like he's not mm -hmm. going to carry on anymore, you know? But, mm -hmm. but my chiropractor said this, uh, like a couple months ago, he just said it not like in a deep conversation, but just kind of, he just said something like that. You might die when I snap your neck. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He said, did you read the disclaimer? <laughs> he signed the waiver. Yeah. Real good. But he said like, he's like, well, he said, I just, I don't, like, I just view death a little differently. 
Like he doesn't view it as it's the end of the world. Like, you know, it's the end. And that's kind of what I feel like cheers was for me when you, like when you sang it, it was like, death is not this, we don't need to fear what death is. We don't need to, you know, it's not the, it's not necessarily the end of, I mean, it's the end of one chapter, but we, none of us know what's going on really at the end of the day, what, 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 where things are headed. And if anything, like we're congratulating this guy (laughs) in the river that he doesn't have to worry about anything anymore. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I think that it it reflects on the rest of the album as far as the, um, like the confusion and sometimes comfort in the unknown. Is that like, or at least the accepting, the accepting of it. Yeah. Accepting that you have no fucking clue. And I feel like that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of avenues in my life where I have that now mm-hmm. with type one, with religion, with mm-hmm. everything else is just like, I'm very comfortable in not knowing. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's like, it's just, I shouldn't say that about type one, but, but like I'm, cu- but you are at least accepting of, <laughs> I, I, I know. know that shit's going to change all the time. Mm-hmm. But like I've got to that point. It, it took me this recording session to, to, to get to the acceptance that that was going to happen instead of trying to figure it out because it cannot be figured out. Well, dude, this, this goes back to something else we talked to our chiropractor about yesterday because so we, we have made several decisions for our son or for August that are controversial in our immediate family's lives versus uh, around how we raise him and around his health. Uh, even something as simple as like he doesn't eat sugar. That's a big topic. But um, also has got va- brought up a lot about vaccines. And mm-hmm. I know that's a real big, it's like a trigger word in a lot of circles. I don't actually like talking about it most of the time. But something that gets brought up a lot is like, well, what if this or what if that about certain diseases? But it's like, if you live your life focused on the what if and what what about like, oh, what about that? What about that? Okay, there is a lot of value in preparing for the absolute worst, which we are not ignorant of. Like, we think about it a lot. Honestly, every day that Chloe and Augie leave, I kiss them goodbye because I think about the fact <laughs> that they could literally pull out on Diamond Avenue and get hit by a semi, that's and that's a, all she wrote. You know, I feel the exact same way. Yeah, but the kids. But 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 living in a state of fear or or because like think about you guys so you go through this diagnosis with Quinn and it is I can't imagine as a parent what the initial onset was what the first six months to a year was like before you really got a grip like a grip on it it was all a learning curve I'm sure mm-hmm. but like think about then after that the beauty and the 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 community that comes together oh for sure like think Absolutely. about uh this album mm-hmm. first of all but that aside the the holiday world yes. um the Absolutely. walk the walk at holiday uh-huh. the the family donations yes exactly like, all of this stuff well i remember it's a it's a tiny example and not really that relevant to what we're talking about but kind of <laughs> i remember going to deciding I was going to go to music school. And I remember specifically talking to one of my uncles who asked me, what exactly are you going to go do? And he's not the most 
he's not the most what's the opposite of judgmental <laughs> what the <Accepting>? opposite yeah <laughs> he's a very judgmental guy so <laughs> yeah. then he asked me uh like you know and i remember like as i was telling him i remember him just staring at me and me thinking you want to choke me out <laughs> Like, you just want to punch me for not getting an engineering degree oh my or God. my fucking business degree like I was going to get, you know, I don't know. But, uh, and, and a couple other people just really, you know, gave me, like, just really questioned me when I was deciding to go to full sale versus, uh, a business degree at Ball State. And, uh, but, but what's funny is, then when I made the commitment and I went against and it be, it became dark for a minute, but right before I moved, two family members specifically came to my mom and gave her a sum of money and said, if you need this or if Wes needs this on the journey down, because my mom had just got, like my, my dad had just left, my parents were divorcing. My mom was a single mother sort of in in terms of, funding me and and being there for me and these people who one of which who i would have never thought in a million years would give my mom money for such things comes out of the woodwork and then gives my mom this support that like says you know i don't know really what's going on but we got you use this if you need it you know yeah and how how encouraging and really how beyond comprehension it is when you when you decide something and then the world starts coming together oh for sure to assist you you know yes yeah like the, and it's such a dramatic uh mentality switch too from being like okay i guess we should sell our house to like holy shit thank you for these thousands of dollars yeah it's like whoa now my whole world has changed it's it's so it, yeah it's so different and I, like we were saying about death i think it all relates to that too where like i probably i think like through covid mm. uh at least in the state of illinois where like both grandparents of mine or two of my grandparents died a couple other people like we, we didn't we couldn't go to funerals but um like w- these last two that i went to i feel like i basically went to six of them with that but like th- through that experience of the funerals, it was like, holy shit, I uh, am trans, like, I, like you said, it's it's not that it's like a deep sadness necessarily. It's like a, okay, I miss the relationship with this person that passed on. But at the same time, all the family that's there, it, it feels like I just kind of like transferred <laughs> my energy that I had for this person to a different group of people and now i'm yeah. like now i'm saying i love yous that i didn't think i would ever say again right where it's like holy shit now i have this relationship with my cousin that i for- forgot about completely mm. mm-hmm. this person died but now all wow. of this other shit is born yeah right and, it, and it's because of this person so it's like there's the happiness there so it's like there is definitely like a positivity if you can get to that point yes agreed agreed like when when situations when noah uh of the strangers passed away so uh we got the keys to our house on so this is the weekend of this is my weekend back in april of 2021 i got the keys on thursday which you guys came over on like thursday or friday i don't know Uh if you remember that we painted some walls but like i got the keys on to the house on thursday 
And then on Saturday, Noah passed away. On Sunday, August was born, my son. Oh, my so God. Like, so on, I think it was like on Tuesday or Wednesday was the funeral. I went to the funeral and... It was such a fucking crazy weekend, but yeah, but uh, and we still weren't even living in the house. We were still at the apartment in on Virginia Street, mm-hmm. and but I remember going to the funeral and walking up to the funeral and seeing somebody I knew, and he said, "How are you doing?" And I said, "Pretty good," because my son had just been born two days ago, right. and I can't believe how amazing it is. But it was like. It was like uh, juxtaposed to this death of a premature, uh, not pre, but like a young death of a person close to me in a band that I mm-hmm. manage. You know, it was really heavy, but it would like it wasn't. I wasn't. It wasn't the. It wasn't the normal grieving process where you lose somebody and then you grieve, and then life gets better or worse for some. But like it was like he died. Oh my god! And then that night Chloe goes into labor. So it's like, well, okay, I guess we're doing this now. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, there was no real time to process any of it. And then I'm at his funeral and, but I'll never forget. But this guy said, uh, how you doing? And I'm like, pretty good. He's like, you don't have to lie, dude. And he gave me a hug. I'm like, well, I'm not lying. Tech- I mean, I didn't lie to you just now, but like, <laughs> But I, you're right. Like I also don't know what to think about this. This uh-huh. is still. I'm not. I've not faced this quite yet. Losing somebody young that was close to me. So that was brand new. But, but, um, but after when when my friend Clem passed away, like an older guy who was a mentor to me in 2019, I knew he was sick. I didn't see him when he was sick. Uh, I just didn't feel like I could see him when he was sick. Mm-hmm. I saw him in the hospital when he yep. was first getting sick i went to the hospital and visited him and it was a lot of fun me and him and chloe we laughed like it was like a great time but then he went home for two weeks and then he died um shortly after that and i got the call i was at a music festival in atlanta and i got the call that he passed away after a day of seeing like fucking tame impala and the most crazy (laughs) shit on earth and like i yeah i did some molly and i smoked some weed at the concert so i was like blown mine fucking blown and i go back to the hotel room and i get a call that clem passed away and it was like holy shit but but it was this feeling of like that's the cheer song it was the feeling of like man you moved like you did it like you you moved on didn't you like yeah it's you you died but you didn't go away like you you're always gonna be here, mm-hmm. you know. Same with Noah, dude. He's on the first uh, Strangers record, right? Every single song that has drums, those are his drums. So it's right. like death wasn't the end of anything other than it sounds horrible, but like other than the person's life here yeah, on Earth, right? Right. But they never die, actually. <laughs> like, right. there's always the memories and the the memories and the work they did mm-hmm. and the things they did. But I remember going to Clem's funeral and it was a celebration of life. He had been cremated and all of these people, mostly artists and musicians, and then just people in town of New Harmony that he was, that he had like been, become friends with, were all at this tiny church. And then uh, we go up to the cemetery to spread his ashes with all of his relatives. 
we get up there and we do this we do this this ceremony thing and everybody oh so then uh a mutual friend of everybody's named christopher lair starts the bagpipe plays a song on bagpipe and i mean fucking instantly everybody just loses it (laughs) (laughs) and and we're all invited to spread ashes to spread clem's ashes in a certain spot so we do it but then he just continues playing this song and then the song ends and i remember like looking up at the sky and just thinking like oh my god like I, I can't believe how amazing this is. Like how death can be such a amazing, awesome in the sense of overwhelming experience yeah. of the moving on from one. Because dude, Clem was a dreamer. It's like, you're going to be better off in ideal land anyway. You probably <laughs> right. love it up there. You know, you get to just do whatever. Right. You don't have the restrictions of your body and your, mm. he had cancer. So it's like, you don't have any of that anymore you're free to just float away and just, you know, but what I learned at his funeral was like standing up and saying something because I thought, this is what I thought at that time being 25 or something was like, I would want, I want people to stand (laughs) up at my funeral and I want them to say something about me that they thought or felt or that they remember that it was like a good experience and so ever since his funeral, I've literally spoke at every person's funeral who is semi-close to me, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably annoying for some people. Like, so how did you know him? <laughs> uh, we did uh, Molly and watch Tim and Paula together. <laughs> and I just wanted to share that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but like, I'm since- high right now. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. And I'm listening to Tim and Paula on <laughs> yeah. my headphones. Yeah, I can't hear what you're asking me. I was a little busy. But, you know, like, since that moment, I've spoke at every funeral, which has given me this, like, it's like, I just feel like I owe it to this person to say a few words about something memorable that will make everybody here happy that this person, you know, did this or did that. I don't know, you know, but it's like everybody can kind of walk away like, yeah. And I can walk away with some sense of closure that, like, you know that's that man Mm -hmm. but it's funny to me going back to your album just realize this but you said it kind of earlier but it's like the last song on the album being about sort of a farewell yeah for sure it makes total sense now why that's the last song of the record yeah it has to be i think it needs to be (laughs) yeah yeah it actually does i think it makes a lot of sense i think that um like like so the second to last song, and well, there are probably what four songs on the album that end pretty maybe aggressively, or I don't know if that's or the right build word. Build aggressively and then end with a uh, like a yeah, release. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, but I I do feel like and like maybe on like a traditional hardcore album or punk album that you want the last song to be the big fucking banger. Hoorah. But I don't think that's what this album is. This is this the. The end is the second to last song, and then the farewell is the is cheers for sure. I do think, uh, yeah, the the second to last song wraps everything up from a album from a musical standpoint. Yeah, and then the last one wraps it up emotionally. Yeah, you know? that's a good. That's a good. It's kind of like a, at a wedding, 
or at least at my family's weddings, it's always like an all-out party at the end, and then we sing closing time. This always exactly. fucking happens. Closing time comes on, everybody circles up, and you like wrap your arms around each other, and then you just sing closing time. I know, and like it it closes the moment like quaintly, right? You know, and then everybody just goes their separate ways after that. That's mm-hmm. literally kind of what this yes. is. It's like a a farewell. Mm-hmm. It's fucking beautiful, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. It's thanks, awesome. man. Yeah. So, yeah. well, so what do we got to look forward to? We got November eighteenth. Dig a, Dig hole a hole's out. coming out. The first single. Uh, we might have another single sprinkled in there. We're still discussing that, but yeah. we know for sure the album's going to be on December 9th. Yep. Yep. The full thing on all streaming platforms and uh, or Facebook Messenger if you want me to message you directly yeah. or Gmail. Gmail box. will work too. I also have Yahoo and Yahoo. So yep. Any of your inboxes would work for me. That's right. I'll slide right in. Yep, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep, so we got that. We got we got the Chucks projects kicking off it's, tonight. Kind of, we're loading in, in and uh, getting set up and under two hours. Yeah, what is the Chugs? The Chugs is a surf punk band about Ham's beer. Yep, and completely uh, about that. But again, yeah. it's a metaphor. It's not. <laughs> you do say Ham. I mean, I guess in almost every song, but like. It's still it's a, it's a metaphor. It's good music. I mean, that's what's that's what's fucked up for people who are listening who are like, I'm, I mean, it's when I introduce it to people and I say it's a concept album. It always yep. is like it gets a laugh, but then it's like, but then I have to reiterate like it's not bullshit. Like it's <laughs> it's actually really good music. I de- I have a so like Swamp Eyes. I definitely I think there's there is an effort. I don't know how conscious subconscious it is to kind of avoid the the genre whatever genre it is i don't know mm-hmm. i do have like this sort of um i feel like i need to be more inventive whereas with like the chugs i fucking love surf punk music yeah and i want to make that <laughs> and it feels good to be able to be like yes let's do introverse course verse course bridge course outro Let's well, it's a this. it's awesome. It gives it's a party you the music. yeah, and it gives you these parameters to then. You're not writing typical surf punk, <laughs> like theme. You know, like right. Your theme is specific. Your genre <laughs> is specific, but within that, you get very creative about your stories and like <laughs> your situations yeah. where you're drinking Ham's beer or yeah. you know where you're honoring the mm-hmm. beer. So. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I'm excited for people to hear it. Me too. I, I am, feel like uh, there's a little bit of anticip- anticipation building There is uh, well in our circle. We also own the domain hamsbeer.com. So mm-hmm. that's our actual band website. So yep. that's you can go there and uh, buy t-shirts and also wonder how we got hamsbeer.com. It's because Hams didn't buy it. And so I did. <laughs> <laughs> Just crazy. Which is insane. It is insane. It's actually the better domain than their current one. So. Mm-hmm. What's their but current one? Hams.com. Yeah. Ultimately, doesn't make any is, sense. It doesn't. But this is ultimately a, uh, I feel like just like an extensive marketing campaign <laughs> for the beer. Honestly. I don't know why they wouldn't like it. Join you. Mm-hmm. Like collab eventually. Yep. We'll see how that works out. But all right, we got that. We got that to look forward to. Probably another Swamp Eyes record down the line here. Mm-hmm. Hopefully some other artists. You just we just never know. I mean, 
what's gonna what's gonna happen with yeah. what we're up to because yeah. we're down for whatever. We're always down for whatever. Down for whatever. It's well, actually our third album. Or that's third, right. Third movie. It's after, movie. Uh, seven and a half minutes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I think I just heard a knock at the door. Yeah. Might be time to wrap it up. It's time to wrap it up. But hold on. Before we leave, I do want to mention everybody who's still listening, which I would be really surprised if you're still <laughs> listening to this. Uh, oh, and I have a segment that I have to do before we wrap up. But um, if you're still listening... And if you live in the area, or even if you don't, you want to travel in, on December 18th, we're doing a, uh, a Wally Opus showcase at venue or at Stage 2 uh, at 321. It's a venue on the east side of Evansville. Swamp Eyes is playing. <laughs> Somebody is definitely knocking. Is it Ethan? Yeah. Tell him to hold on two seconds. We're almost done. No, dude, just tell him to come around back. It's open. Say so come around the back, it's open, but tell them not to mess with the chickens. Don't tell them that, it's fine. Okay, so, uh, yeah, if you're in the Evansville area, look out for December the 18th, Swally Open Showcase. Sam's going to be playing there, Swamp Eyes. We're going to have three other bands, more details to come. But let's wrap this up with a quick segment, okay? Yep. This is called Don't Think, Just Act. So okay. I'm going to rifle off 10 terms, names, ideas, and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Just instinct. Hams. Lifestyle. <laughs> Favorite instrument you played on this record? Guitar. Finger style. Aaron Tanner. Butthole Surfers. First album that you can remember falling in love with? Uh, whatever the one by Creed is. What's the... He, not Human Clay, the other one. Love it. Don't know. Weathered that album. by Creed. Weathered by Creed. What's the song? First off grade, there? I think. No, fifth grade. It was the first CD I ever bought. Huh? What's the song off that? Higher one? by Creed is my go-to yep. karaoke song. So. Higher. Favorite song from the last week? Uh, he needed me by the A's. Was that on your Instagram earlier? Uh huh. Family. Music. Yeah, it's cheesy, but that was the first thing. You did say the first thing. Yeah. So it's honestly your fault from that. Dream job. And I don't mean just like day job. I mean like like if 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 playing Bonnaroo was a job, you know what I mean? What's your dream job? A street interviewer. On TikTok or on like a, the late show? I'd like to get paid for it since okay. it's a job. But I, but I would like to be also have no limits and ask anyone. So, pro- so I feel like it leans TikTok, but it's also not – paid <laughs> yeah, so i want a paid version of that i just okay. want to be able to say what i want to strangers and make them feel like they need to answer me love it yeah who's your idol if you had one uh danny elfman have you ever met him no but i have uh he, he is in the melodic the last melodic virtue book about the uh the residents so you copy so wrote uh, are you edited a quote yeah from him <laughs> yep yeah so that's that basically counts. meeting him we're like best friends now I feel like... For, sorry, go on. No, no, no. What were you going to say? I have such a respect for him because he's operated successfully in so many different genres and he's in his late 60s and still is going as hard as ever. And I would love to do that. Awesome. Swamp Eyes five years from now. Taylor Swift. <laughs> so you want to have six songs in the biggest playlist on Spotify yeah. on the day of release. <laughs> Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. I just feel like that's going to be an easy goal. Yep, that's not bad. Five years. 
Okay, last question. If you could sit down and have a beer with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, fuck. Um, a beer. Whoa. Okay, let's see. Damn. A nice beer and a nice conversation. Danny DeVito. 100% Danny DeVito. Why? He is... In the latest Jersey Mike's commercial? <laughs> yes. And that's really all I had to say about <laughs> But he uh, is one of the funniest people I know. He reminds me of my dad. And I feel like he is, he operates within the sphere of like, oh my God, he's a crazy person. Like Gary Busey is, but yes. he also still lives in the real world and uh, is filmed like all the time for like, uh, it's always sunny and still operates at a very professional creative level. So I feel like I can access uh, an, an inebriated version of someone who's at the top of their game, very successful, who's very funny and very professional, who I could learn from. God, that would, yeah, that sounds like a fun beer. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. It's well, great. good. So uh, that's that's that. We'll wrap this sucker up. We got uh, we got our we got our three three fifteen meeting just arrived. So we'll we'll catch that now. But uh, yep, like we said, uh, look out for the new single coming out Friday, November eighteenth. On everywhere you listen to music, the album's on December 9th. The show's on the eighteenth, and um, that's that. Anything else? Nope. Catch you on Instagram. Catch you on the. Flip side. Flip side. Yep. That's All the right. other social platform I'm on. Yep. <laughs> it's which is kind of an underground platform at the moment, but yeah, it's coming up. It's really nothing I even want to talk about. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we'll just won't even mention it then. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for doing this, Thanks Sam. For having me. Love yep. You. All right. I love you. We'll do this again in a week. A week. <laughs> All right. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week. This was Mining in the Foothills, and we'll see you next time. Hell yeah. I have to piss.